Let's pray together. Come Holy Spirit. Open our hearts and minds to your presence in your word and your presence here in this room. Lord, as we think about sharing our faith with other people, oftentimes there is fear that arises within us. But Lord, your word tells us that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So come, Holy Spirit. Let the, the Spirit of God cast out any fear in our midst. Come and speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have one week left in our Alpha 3 for 30 prayer movement. And what we've been praying for is people in our lives that either don't know Jesus or aren't engaged in the life of a church, that God would move in their lives in ways that show them that he desires a relationship with them. And we've been praying that God would open up opportunities for each of us to invite those people to come and explore Jesus and encounter Jesus at Alpha, which starts this coming Sunday. And so, this is our last week. And I think it's amazing to think about all the prayer that's been offered. That we've been praying for over 1,100 people. You all have been lifting them up this last 30 days. And we're expecting that God is going to do and move here in our community through this Alpha and Alphas to come in really powerful ways. So this week, I want to encourage you, stay on your toes. Keep looking for opportunities. If you haven't gotten a chance to invite anybody yet, keep your ears peaked and your heart open to God working in their lives and, and extend an invitation. Even if you know you can't come to Alpha or if you can only come with them for the first couple ones, that's okay. Don't let you having to go stop you from inviting them. God can do far more just through a simple invitation. So to encourage our congregation to live into this prayer movement with intentionality, we've been looking at the sermon series, Abundance for Others. And we've, two weeks ago, Mike talked about why share Christ with other people. That God's heart is for the lost. That God is always seeking and saving and leaving the 99 to go after the one. And then last week, he talked about who to share with and identifying the people of peace in our life. The people that listen to us, the people that, that serve us, and the people that welcome us. That those people are the people that God might be opening up an opportunity for us to share Christ with. Well, today I want to talk about practically how we go about sharing with other people. How this week, when you encounter somebody at work on Monday or at the playground on Wednesday, how you could invite them to come and follow after Jesus. Now, along with this, there is some fear involved, my guess is. Like, anytime you talk about sharing your faith, there's like a little bit of like a cold sweat that you feel in the back of your neck. And we did a course here a couple of years ago on how to share your faith. And we had them do a survey of the barriers that, that people felt to being able to share their faith with people. And one of the big ones that came up was fear of not knowing what to say or how to lead somebody to Christ. So somewhere along the way, I'm going to blow it and mess it up and say something wrong. And then, then they're, you know, they're never going to know Jesus. They're like, okay, I'm not an evangelist. I don't know how to lead somebody to Christ. I don't know the perfect way to do it. 
or the fear of not knowing answers. They're like, okay, I can share Jesus with somebody, but what if they ask me a question that I have no idea the answer to? So I'm not an apologist. I don't, you know, I'm not theologically trained to handle these types of questions. And then the last thing, which is the fear of losing relationships. That these people are my friends, and if I go out on a limb and invite them to come to something or share about Jesus with them, that I'm going to lose a friendship. So I'm not a confrontationalist. I'm not a confrontational person. I don't want to do that. And those fears can be paralyzing. Those fears can keep us from sharing. Moments that open up, but we don't share. And so I want to encourage you first this week, if you're feeling a little bit of anxiety about this, pray. That it's the Spirit of God within us that when that's fanned into flames, it takes away our fear. And then today, we're going to be looking at the Scriptures to see how not only do we not need to be afraid to share with other people, but you actually don't need to be an evangelist. You don't need to be an apologist. You don't need to be confrontational in order to invite people to follow after Jesus. So if you have your Bibles open, uh, if you have your Bibles, open them up to John 1, starting in verse 35 is where we're going to be. John 1, starting in verse 35, and there's some pew Bibles in front of you. These are in 886 in the pew Bible. That's where we're going to be. So it's right after Jesus has been baptized. It's the very beginning of his ministry. And it says, the day after he was baptized, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as Jesus walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And two disciples heard him say this and then they started walking after Jesus. They're like, okay, this is the Lamb of God. What's this guy about? They start following and Jesus turns around and says to them, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? These are the first recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. The first thing he says. And that question, what are you seeking, is of first importance. What are you seeking? What are you searching for? What are you longing for? What are you really looking for out of life? Is what Jesus is asking them. One commentator says, it's almost as if Jesus assumes that like the rest of us, these two disciples are looking for the one thing that will satisfy their needs, give reality to their dreams, and substance to their hopes. And if you're sitting here this morning, maybe you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're not sure if you buy all this. You don't know what to think about all this. And that would be a great place to start. Seek the answer to that question. Jesus' first question which is, what are you seeking? What are you searching for? Deep down, what do you want out of life? And the challenge with that question, that's an all-important question because it really does set the course for what we seek in our families, in our jobs, what we do with our free time, what we think about our relationship to God. That's the most important question we can ask, right? But oftentimes, we're so distracted, or we're so busy, or we're so conflicted, that if I went around with a microphone and said, well, what are, you, what are you really seeking? What do you really want in life to each of you? I bet a lot of us would be like, well, I don't really know. Like, I know what I want for this coming week to look like, but what do I want my life to look like? I don't really know. We don't oftentimes get an opportunity to stop and think about what do I really want? And that question is so important. 
And it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? Did you guys know that? Uh, Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> um, but 60 Minutes, there was a 60 Minutes about 10 years ago now, and they were doing a story on Tom Brady. Tom Brady had already won two Super Bowls. I don't think he'd even turned 30 yet. And he had just signed a really big contract. I think he was either dating or uh, about to marry his supermodel wife. And they sat there and they asked him, you know, what's next? Like, you've kind of done it all. You've accomplished by 30 what most people try to accomplish their whole life and fail at. Um, like poor Dan Marino, never won a Super Bowl. Um, and they're like, you know, how is it? And he's like, I mean, you can Google it. It's on, it's on YouTube. He looked in the camera and he was like, you know, I have all this stuff and I've accomplished all these things. But there's got to be more to life than this. He literally said those words. There's got to be more to life than this. And here's a guy who's driven, talented, works really hard. You would say he's got it figured out. And deep down, once you push past his short-term goals, he was like, there's got to be more. What am, what am I really searching for? What am I really longing for? And so that's what Jesus does. He, he asks that question and then he stops and he listens. He listens. See, we think that if Jesus showed up on the scene here, the first thing he would do would be to evangelize or he would come with intensity. Or, but what does he do in this? He asks a question and then he listens to their answer to that question. That evangelism and sharing our faith doesn't start with opening our mouth. It actually starts with opening our ears. Listening to whoever that person is in your workplace or that friend. Listening to what do they really desire? What are they really seeking after? Did you know that Jesus asked 307 questions in the Gospels? And that he's asked 183 questions and how many of those do you think he answers? Does anybody know? Three. He only directly answers three questions. Most of the time he asks another question to them or tells this quizzical story and they're like, what exactly? What? Like, and they go away thinking about it. He's drawing them out. He's opening the listening ear of God to the world. And that is the most important starting place for us. Whoever you're trying to share Jesus with, don't start by opening your mouth. Start by opening your ears, by listening. Do you know what they're really longing for? What they're really searching for? Are they searching for purpose? Are they searching for security? Are they searching for love? Are they searching for identity? Underneath the surface level stuff, what are they searching for? And so that's the place to start, is listen to them. Listen to their stories. Listen to their hopes. Listen to their dreams. Because what we believe, the core conviction of the Christian faith is that we've been made for a relationship with God. That deep down, our deepest needs for significance and purpose and love and relationship is found not in something, but in someone, in the person of God. And so, if you don't know what that person in your life really needs— or maybe you're sitting here saying, well, I don't know what I really need, what I really long for. Then explore that question with them. Because how are you going to be able to point them to Christ if you don't even know what they're looking for in the first place? So 
It starts, sharing your faith starts with opening your ears. And then, so in verse 39, Jesus says in 38, what are you seeking? And then they say to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Which is another way of saying, okay, how much time you got? You know, like, can we come hang out with you? Can we come spend time with you? Can we go to a, a more private place than wherever we are and dig deeper into these questions? And Jesus says, look, I'm super busy right now. Um, but next Tuesday, I have a 2.30 opening for an appointment. Uh, is that what he says? Um, no. And, and if you feel like, well, you know, God's too busy for me, that's never true. And if you're too busy to explore with somebody that you love, what are they seeking? Then maybe create some space. Jesus says, come and you will see. And it says, that they came and they saw where he was staying. So he invited them in and they stayed with him that day. So for the rest of the afternoon, and it says it was four o'clock in the afternoon, the rest of the afternoon they stayed. And what I can imagine is he made time for them. He probably, they had probably had a meal together and they asked their questions. He asked his questions and they got to know one another and they got to begin to explore that question of what is life all about? And for us, that's the most important thing, opening our ears and opening our lives to people, creating space for them. And, and you might think, well, there's, you know, I got to be able to do more than just open my ears and open my life. Well, I want to tell you there's a new study that came out uh, with, with Barna. It just came out a couple days ago. Barna is this organization that does polls and, and uh, sociological studies. And that what they were asking is if somebody, they were talking to people who weren't Christians and wouldn't call themselves followers of Jesus. And they said, if you wanted to have a conversation with a Christian about faith, what type of person would you look for? And 62% of people, the number one thing they said is somebody who will listen to them. Somebody who will listen to them. And then 50%, the second most highest percentage, they said somebody who will not force them to make conclusions. Somebody who will just let the conversation go where it goes and not force them into some corner. Listening and letting the Holy Spirit lead. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be an apologist. You don't have to be confrontationalist. In fact, some of those things might get in your way of somebody coming to know Jesus. I've been at the Alpha Conference uh, this past weekend and they, there was a quote um, somebody quoted this guy named David Augsburger, and he said this, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, it's almost indistinguishable. Being heard and being loved are so closely related for the average person that if you just listen to somebody, they're going to feel loved. And so that idea of listening to people, that idea of not forcing them into conclusions really is what Alpha is all about. It's about creating space, saying you don't have to worry about dinner on Sunday night. You don't have to worry about childcare. We have that covered. We're going to create a relaxed environment for you to come and to ask your questions. And we're going to just listen. And we're not going to force you to believe anything. We're just going to listen and let you ask your questions and let people share their thoughts. That's what Alpha is all about. So if you've never done Alpha, there you go. That's what it's about. Literally, it's super simple but God's using it in powerful ways. And so if you invite somebody into it, that's what they're going to experience. Hospitality, conversation, friendship. One of the guys said this weekend, 
Alpha is the only method of evangelism that I know of that the person being evangelized actually enjoys the process. <laughs> it's true, you know, like, oh God, here we go. They're going to drop the gospel bomb on me. But no, it's like, hey, I like coming to hang out on Saturday, you know, Sunday night, you know. Not everybody, you know, has a, a revelatory experience and is a follower of Jesus after Alpha, but most people say, yeah, that was, that was good. I enjoyed that. So sharing our faith starts with opening our ears and opening our lives. But it doesn't end there, though. That's not where it ends. It does require us to step a little bit out of our comfort zone and open our mouth. So I want you to continue on in verse 40. We're going to be looking at two different people. And I want to give you, if you're not super extroverted, if you're not uh, super, you know, biblically literate, if you're not, you know, haven't read a bunch of Tim Keller books or something like that. If that's not you, I want you to think about these two people as you think about going into this week and inviting people to come follow Jesus. A guy named Andrew and a guy named Philip. So it says that one of the two, one of the, those two people that were there uh, that, that spent time with Jesus, he was so attracted to the person of Christ that he went to his brother, who his name was Simon, we know him as Peter. He went to Simon and he said, hey man. He didn't say, hey man. Um, <laughs> but he said, we found the Messiah. And then what he did, this is, this is all he did in this interaction. He took his brother, Simon, and brought him to Jesus. And then Jesus looked at Simon and said, you are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. What he does is he looked, Jesus looked at Peter and said, hey, you think you're just a fisherman? You're so much more than that. I'm going to build my church around your leadership. Transformation. Peter gets up and follows Jesus. Ends up changing the world through this normal old fisherman, through his brother who just brought him to Jesus and Jesus transformed his life. And then in the very next passage, it says Jesus goes into Galilee and he finds this guy, Philip. And he says to Philip, follow me. And then they went into Bethsaida and Philip found his friend Nathaniel. And he goes to Nathaniel and he says, hey, we found him whom the Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of jo Joseph. But Nathaniel's not as easy of a uh, person. Uh, Nathaniel says to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Um, which is a slight to a neighboring town, you know, a rival town. It's like, can anything good come out of New England? You know, stinking patriots. Uh, uh, but he, he, it's not just that, though. It's also a theological challenge. He says, he's basically saying, I've read the Old Testament. I know the Old Testament. I never talks about the Messiah coming from Nazareth. Bethlehem, maybe, but not Nazareth. And so what does he do? Does he cross swords with his friend and say, no, I'll show you why and do, you know, biblical gymnastics and try to win him over and, you know, have some convincing argument? What does he do? He says, come and see. Just come and see. And he does the same thing that Andrew did. He takes his friend, Nathaniel, and brings him to Jesus. And then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and says, behold, an Israelite, and, and indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Says, Nathaniel, you're a straight shooter. You say it how it is. There's no guile in you, man. You're going you're gonna to tell it how it is. And Nathaniel's struck because he's like, yeah, that, that is me. Um, 
He's, and then he says, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Then Jesus goes on to say, just because I said I saw you under the fig tree, I've got so much more to show you. And just like that, Nathanael's life is transformed. And then we see later in John, these two jokers, Andrew and Philip, doing this all the time. So all of a sudden there's thousands of people. The movement's growing, but they don't have any food. There's literally 5,000 men and women and children along with them. They don't have any food. And good old Andrew brings this boy and says, he has five loaves and two fishes. Can you do anything with that, Jesus? And Jesus transforms the loaves and fishes and feeds the multitude. And then, a couple days before Jesus is crucified, Greeks come, those seeking wisdom, seeking something more. There's got to be more to life than just the philosophers. They come, and they say, can we see Jesus? And it's Philip who goes and gets Andrew, and then Philip and Andrew take those Greeks to Jesus and introduce them to Jesus. And then they talk. And there, just like that, transformation, the forerunner of global missions to the nations. Amazing. Transformation. But what did they do? Just the simple ministry of invitation. Just simply saying, come and see. And that's what it's all about. You might not be an apologist or an evangelist. And you're not be, not, you don't need to be confrontational. Just invite people to come and see. Come check out Alpha. There's going to be barbecue. There's going to be good food. Or there's going to be good music. Come check it out. The rest is up to God. God's the one that brings the transformation. We just do the invitation. We do the invitation. God brings the transformation in people's lives. And the anxiety that we feel comes when we confuse that. When we think, well, how do I save them? Or I got to close the deal. I got to seal the deal. No, that's God's job. All we do is simply invite. Just say, come, come and see, come check it out. All we even have to, we don't even have to force them to come there. Just throw out the invitation. Say this thing's going on. And if God wants them to be there, they'll be there night one. And if not, then they won't be. And maybe they'll come back another time. Now, I saw this at play. Um, when I was in college, I uh, had a buddy of mine who his dad was really big into sailing. And he had this little sailboat. It was a little catamaran with one of those little uh, canvases in the middle. And he called me up one day. He's in his mid-50s and was like, hey, damn, let's go sailing. This guy was young at heart. And I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. I had a free afternoon. And we went out, uh, took the boat down to the beach, you know, took it down on the trailer, put it out into the water. And we got out and, and started wading out into the water. As soon as we put up the sail, it flipped, the boat flips over and so we're like, oh, this is awful. And we flipped over the boat and we're like, okay. And the wind was blowing strong offshore and we put the sail up and it flips over. And this happened like five or six times when we finally said, maybe we shouldn't go out today. Um, and so we decided, okay, we're going to pack it up. We loaded the boat back onto the trailer and we were driving home and he started to be like, oh, I don't feel good, Dan. And I was like, you know, do you want me to drive? Like, what, how can I help? And he's like, I don't know. I, no, I got it. I just need to get home and I just need to lay down for a few minutes. And I was like, okay. We keep driving and he starts to moan. He's like, I really don't feel good. And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe you should pull over. He pulls over into a grocery store parking lot 
And I, he got out of the car and walks over and sat down on the curb. And he was like, oh, I feel terrible. And so I was like, okay, I think I should call an ambulance. And so I called an ambulance and I said, hey, uh, my friend's not feeling good. Can you guys come? And they said, okay, where are you? And they were like, okay, we're on the way. And he's sitting there writhing in pain. And a couple minutes later, this guy drives up and he's like, is everything okay with your friend? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, he's really in pain. And he's like, and the guy was like, I'm a doctor. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and, and so he comes over and he's doing it, checking his vital signs and all that kind of stuff. And then the ambulance arrives. And just like that, they grab him, they sweep him in. And the guys in the ambulance says, we'll take it from here. And I remember being like, okay, they got it. They got it from here. He had a massive heart attack. If he hadn't gotten in that ambulance, he could have died. I don't know how to do triple bypass surgery. <laughs> I couldn't help him. Well, all I could do is connect him who was in pain to those who could heal him. And that's all we're called to do. Connect those in our lives to the true healer. Invitation, that's all we're called to do. The transformation's up to God. And so, this week, this year, that invitation is what leads to transformation. All we have to simply do is invite people to come and see, and Jesus will take it from there. So let me pray for you all now. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit upon your people or take away their fear, take away any sense of false responsibility and fill them with the joy and the excitement to invite people to come and see. And Lord, we entrust you with the rest. Take it from there. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want